Thank you, Scott. Uh, my name is Brian Sorgenfry, one of the uh, pastors on staff, and delighted you chose to spend your morning with us. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. Uh, you can open your Bibles, uh, and we are seeing every week how Matthew uh, writes of this hero, this God become man who's going to set the worlds to right uh, and save his people. And this, the passage this morning, uh, it is a story, a parable that Jesus tells that's sandwiched between two conversations. And it's two conversations where um, the disciples, Peter speaking for them, is saying, hey, we have left everything to follow you. Uh, is it going to be worth it? And Jesus talks about uh, kind of what they will get. And then after this, uh, to the disciples' mom comes and asks if her kids can sit on the right and the left of Jesus. So the followers of Jesus are kind of clamoring for rewards. And Jesus tells this parable to show how his kingdom actually works, how his economy works, and it flips the normal value system on its head. Uh, I think it actually disturbs us if you listen. So here is uh, Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever's right I'll give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went, went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when, the, and, and when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the, this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? It's an interesting statement. So last will be first, and the first last. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and, uh, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he'll be raised on the third day. This is the word of the Lord. All right, just two points I want to talk through as we frame this up. I want to... I want to talk about the allergy, I think, that we all have, that this uh, story uh, kind of exposes, and the, and the antidote to that allergy. So first, the allergy. All right. Do you know how an allergy works? I'm not going to claim I completely understand. You can ask Doug Sanford or, or probably Steve Redding knows how they work in animals. Uh, but um, let's say that you are allergic to dairy, okay? That means when something good, like incredibly good, like like bluebell cookies and cream, you know, ice cream. When that enters your body, your immune system is, is twisted and broken in such a way that your body thinks that the protein in that milk is poisonous. And so what happens is the body, that, something that should be good, <laughs> thinks that it's bad, and so your immune system releases histamines to, pr to try to protect your body. 
and then tries to expel that thing out of you. So your, your throat closes, maybe you get hives. It, it can even send the body into shock. So just think about that picture that an allergy means your immune system is so twisted that what should be good and that what should be able to be taken in and savored and enjoyed, ice cream, the the immune system sees it as dangerous and tries to reject it. Okay, And what I want to suggest is this story that Jesus tells illustrates that all of us have a natural allergy to something. It's an allergy to something that is so good, it's actually vital. We can't live without it, but we actually despise it. We actually reject it. And that thing that we're allergic to is the grace of God. We are allergic to grace. This idea that, that favor or gift or approval comes apart from whether we deserve it or not. And our life actually depends on grace. But I'm telling you, like, we just naturally reject it. (laughs) How do I know? Because I don't think we really like this story if you think about it. This story illustrates how Jesus' kingdom works. That's why he began by saying the kingdom of heaven is light. So this illustrates, this story is saying, okay, I want to tell you how being in my kingdom actually works. And we're allergic to it. How do I know? Because we, okay, at least I do. I think you're like me. We sympathize with the workers who grumble, don't we? Like, I, I'm going to rehash the story, and I want you to test yourself and, if, and see if the story frustrates you a little bit. It might even make you mad. If it does, it's because you and I are allergic to grace. So here's the scene, right? If, if you ever see, like, a movie from uh, the Great Depression era, uh, era one of my favorite movies is uh, Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe. They have this scenario where uh, people were so uh, in need of work what would happen is, you know, the unemployment rate so high that um, people would, at least Cinderella Man, people would line up at the fence of the shipyard needing work for that day. And the manager would come out to the fence early in the morning, and he would kind of scan the scene of hundreds of people. And basically, he would find six strong-looking people and say, okay, I want you, 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 you. And they would all come, and everybody else would sadly be dejected and go back home. And, you know, he, even when he has a hurt hand, he's hiding it because he needs to appear strong. And if they got hired for that day, it would give them enough money to take care of their family for that day and maybe the next day. That's what's happening in Jesus' story. But, of course, he's using uh, the situation that his, you know, hearers would have understood. So that you have this unskilled, working-class, common people gathering in a marketplace, needing work on a farm. And so what happens is, right, this, this, uh, this owner, this landowner shows up, and he offers, let's say, to the first six workers, says, here, come, come work in my farm all day. <laughs> and at the end, you'll get a denarius, which was a generous amount of money. So when he, when, he, when he pointed to them and said, I want you to come work, you know, my grapes need to be harvested. At 6 a.m., when those te- people agreed to it, they would have been so excited. Because they'd be like, okay, <laughs> I can take care of my family for today and probably tomorrow and, and the next day. And so they go and they start working. Three hours later at 9 a.m., he comes back to the marketplace, hires 10 more guys, says, hey, come on, work. I'll pay you what's fair. Then he goes back, you know, at noon. And then he goes back at 3 p.m. And he hires some more. And then finally he returns at 5 p.m. Okay, so there's only one, one hour left to work in the day. And he sees some people still standing around the marketplace looking for work. And so these people probably are the weak and scrawny looking people. 
Maybe some of the people that are sick. Maybe some elderly. They're the people, the last people that would have been picked if you needed some good work done in your field. And he looks at them and says, why are y'all still out here? And they just say, well, nobody has hired us. He says, okay, well, I'll pay you. And he, and he hires them. And they work for maybe 45 minutes. <laughs> and then the whistle blows, right? A group, let's say 60 workers all come back to the landowner's house. And the landowner instructs the foreman and says, okay, pay them. But pay the people I hired last first. So here comes those 10 guys, you know, maybe elderly, kind of sick, I don't know. And they've only worked for 45 minutes. They've barely even broken a sweat. And let's say a denarius, if it's a day, a generous day's wage, say it would be $20 an hour, so they work for $160. And so he hands, he hands those people who work for 45 minutes $160. And then he hands the same to the people who work for three hours and then five hours. And so you can imagine, if you were somebody who showed up at 6 a.m. and worked out in the heat all day, and you're tired and you're sore and you're watching this, when it's coming to you, you're thinking, oh, man, this is going to be good. <laughs> This is going to be awesome. And then you get $160. The same thing that the guy that worked for 45 minutes gets. What happens? They're ticked. <laughs> they say, like, how could you? you? You paid the guys who, like, hardly did anything the same amount as us. And we're tired and sore. Like, I, don't you sympathize a little bit if that had been you? Like, wouldn't you, be, wouldn't you think, this is unfair? <laughs> How unfair is my boss? Honestly, I kind of get mad every time I describe it, if I put myself in their situation. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what being connected to Jesus is like, being in his kingdom, having eternal life is like. Which means, and here's what's convicting, if you don't like this story, it means you don't like the way that Jesus brings salvation, the way that Jesus sets the world to right, the way he brings eter the eternal life of his kingdom, because the way that it comes is only through sheer grace. It's only through something unmerited, unearned. It's not a wage. It's a gift. It's a blessing. God works on gifts, not wages, getting what is not deserved. And we just don't like this. I'm going to describe a couple of scenarios, and if they hit home, you can nervously laugh, okay? <laughs> but I think it shows that we don't like grace. Like, let's say you're in junior high, and you, uh, you want to go out for the cheerleader or dance squad at your school, right? And so you have practiced. <laughs> you've gotten coaching. You've poured tons of money into time getting ready for tryouts. And you do, and you try out. And there's another young woman who has hardly practiced because by sheer genetics dancing comes easy to her she hasn't really worked at it and then after the tryouts she makes the team and you didn't how how would you react you're kind of mad aren't you and if you're her parent you're mad too because you're like I, I, my daughter deserves it i don't know <laughs> we hate grace <laughs> uh if you're on a if you're on a scholarship in college and you're having to work, uh, to, you know, to help pay for college and pay for rent. Don't you kind of hate the person who's like parents pay for everything? They don't even have to pay for their dorm. They don't even have to pay for meals. And they have enough money left over that they can like go to the bars every weekend. Don't you kind of hate that person? Because it just seems like they're getting free stuff. 
Or we need, or, or if, if you try to have like a healthy schedule and you try to, uh, you know, plenty of sleep, nourish my body with adequate food, make sure I, I'm active and, and work out, don't you kind of despise the person that just kind of eats whatever they want and never works out and just by sheer genetics like looks amazing? Aren't you kind of like, I hate that person. <laughs> because we don't like grace. We just want everything to be on merit. And so anytime we've gotten mad at somebody because they got the promotion, and I feel like I should have, or they have the family life or the house that I wanted or I think I deserve, and they got it, it's, it's just exposing the struggle, the allergy of, of grace, unmerited, unearned favor and blessing that is how Jesus' kingdom works. And we want a world that, especially if you're American, we want a world that is based on merit, that what you earn is what you get. But what this, this whole story illustrates, and this is why Jesus is telling it, because in the previous chapter, if you remember, uh, the disciples have gotten a little uppity. Because this rich man refuses to sell his wealth and give to the poor and walks away. And Peter's like, look what we've done. We've, we've given everything. And Jesus tells this story to people who have started taking pride in what they've done. And he says the last will be first. And that's the warning. It is a sobering warning because what Jesus is saying is, if you reject grace, if you stay allergic to it, if you want to be first, you actually don't want grace and you will be last. You will miss eternal life. You will miss the kingdom because it only comes by grace. And so I, I'm just trying to illustrate that first, this, this whole story, the way it kind of grates at us, is illustrating a principle that is old as Genesis 3, that sin means we are allergic to grace. It's the thing that we need but we keep trying to reject it. So, what's the antidote? I don't understand how allergy shots and all that kind of stuff works. So I'm not going to try. But there are things, at least, that Madison has given us that enable us to start uh, not having an overreaction uh, to these things that come into our body. And there's an antidote to, if you are allergic to grace, that can start working into your system to enable you to love it and receive it. And the first is to recognize the sovereignty and justice of God. Again, we're allergic to this, but this will actually start healing our allergy. We have to see who God actually is, not who we think he is or how we think we, he should be, but who he actually is. And we know who he is by how he's revealed himself in his word and namely through his word become flesh Jesus. And this landowner, right, confronts the all-day laborers. Right? They grumble, and in verse 12 they say, you made those one-hour workers equal to us who worked all day in the heat, and they're angry. And look what he says. He says, wait, 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 wait friend. Awesome that he calls him friend. How kind. And he says, I found you in need of a job, and I made you a really generous offer, and you agreed to it. And when, I, when, I, when you agreed to this, you were thrilled. I didn't have to hire you. I did, and I paid you that amount. And then he says this, am I not allowed to do freely with that which belongs to me? If I choose to be very generous with those one-hour workers that couldn't find a job, isn't it my money and I can do with it what I want? And we say, no, 
No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't give grace to those people. Because the implication is from this is God certainly can and he does all the time. The teaching of Scripture is that God is absolutely sovereign. He made everything. Every molecule in this universe, he actually upholds by the word of his power. My heart is beating because Jesus is upholding it. Uh, Jesus, everything is upheld. Everything is his. That's the teaching of Scripture. From the air we breathe to our lungs to our money to our talents, it's created by him and for him, and he upholds it. It's all his. And if that's the case, we should at least, I think, grant him the freedom that we all grant ourselves. All right, and Imagine after, um, after church this morning, you, uh, you decide to go to El Charo for lunch. And as you walk into El Charo and you're uh, paying your bill, somebody, uh, I love Fox's Pizza, it's not against Fox, but some, a worker from Fox's Pizza comes runs over and is like, how dare you? How dare you choose to spend your money at El Charo rather than coming to my establishment? You'd be like, what in the world? <laughs> I, can, I can spend my money however I want. But we're mad with God when he does whatever he wants with his stuff. This is how he runs his kingdom. And look, I'm going to quote Ray Cortese. A lot of uh, these insights came from him. But here's what he says. And this is, he says, the Bible never says that he will treat people the same. Never. We think we, we want that. Well, we think we do. <laughs> but the whole Old Testament, God treats Abraham very different than other people. God treats the people of Israel different than the Philistines and the Canaanites. It's not, it's not easy to stomach, but God is under no compulsion to save anybody. Salvation and redemption and his kingdom is always a gift. And it's only a gift. It's never a wage. And he is very much a... Yeah, look, he doesn't treat everybody the same. He is a just God. He will give everybody in the end exactly what they deserve. Right? He looks at the people that, uh, that, that they agreed to and he pays them for their work. And then he says, well, are you accusing me of injustice? Have I cheated, cheated you in any way? And he hasn't. And look, in a, in a few weeks we're going to look at Judgment Day. It's not always fun to talk about. But when Jesus returns, there will be judgment. If you want to stand on your own merit according to what you deserve before a good and pure and loving God, if you want to say, give me my wages, he will. And the wages of sin is death, is what Romans says. The Lord, ne the Lord never underpays, ever. But he overpays a lot. <laughs> and so the other option is to cling to grace, to cling to Jesus. You can cling to God's eternally begotten Son as your substitute. And because of sheer grace, by faith in him, washed of your sin, standing in his righteousness, and God will look at you in Christ as if you were perfectly righteous. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of my kingdom. God is sovereign. He is under no obligation to us. And our grace allergic hearts don't like that. Which means I have no grounds to say to God, you have to treat me this way. You have to give me this. You can't withhold this. You have to forgive me. Yes, he's just, but he is sovereign. And everything that he does is attached to his good, wise, perfect, holy character. But we make no demands on God. Our posture is, is humbly receiving grace. And you see this in Job. 
right? Job, when he loses his wealth and his children, he makes this incredible statement. He says, naked I came from my father's my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's amazing. And so when life gets difficult, when we, if we think that God owes us, we'll either hate God because he's not giving me what I think I deserve, or you'll hate yourself because you think you're getting what you deserve. But he's a God of grace. And so we got to see his sovereignty, first of all, that's the antidote. But second of all, we see the goodness and generosity of God. This, I think this gets lost of us in the, story, in the story. This really isn't a story about the hard work of the workers. It's a story about a landowner who's actually good, who is generous, and is wanting to be compassionate and bless other people. Right? It might not seem that way at first when he picks the first group of people, because that's what naturally happened. But the landowner doesn't even have to hire them, right? But he does, and then he keeps going back again and again and keeps finding people who need money to take care of their family, and he keeps hiring them. He even hires needy people that only work for, for an hour and gives them a full wage. Why? Because they needed it as much as the, as, as the people he hired at the beginning of the day. So this is not a story of a landowner who desperately needs workers. It's a story of a landowner who wants to take care of people who wants to bless people, which means he hires them not for what they can do for him, but he hires them for what he can do for them. That's very different. He hires them so that he can bless them. Uh, this, is, um, this came from uh, Ray Cortez, but I looked it up myself. Uh, you should look up this man. His name is Matt LaChapa. If you've probably never heard of him, you should go read about him because this year, just like the past, I think, 27 years, he signed a one-year contract to pitch for the San Diego Padres. Okay? But here is Matt's story. In 1996, he had made it through the minor leagues, and he was warming up for his first major league game with the Padres. And while in the bullpen, he has a heart attack. And he has a heart attack, uh, and they, 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 they do CPR and revive him, and then they get him to the hospital, and he has another one. But he... He had so much lack of oxygen that it actually permanently disabled him. He's still alive, but he has trouble uh, speaking and moving. He's in a wheelchair. And so what happened is every year the Padres sign him to a yearly contract so that, so that uh, he won't come off their insurance, so he gets taken care of. Isn't that awesome? The life of Matt isn't about what he contributes to the Padres. He actually never got in a game. <laughs> The life of Matt LaChap is just a display of the Padres' kindness and generosity that they want to take care of him. And the kingdom of God actually says, if we're in it, we're all Matt LaChaps. <laughs> we are here not because of all the stuff that we've done and we can get done for Jesus, but we are products of God who is on a mission to save and to bless us. And our grace-allergic hearts don't like that. But spiritually speaking, we're all charity cases. That's what we are. <laughs> we're all just recipients of mercy. Because the kingdom of God, life with Jesus, it's always received. It's never achieved. It's not because of what you do for him. It's because of who he is. And so the antidote is seeing the sovereignty of God, seeing the goodness and generosity of God. And finally, and I'll close it here, it's will you see yourself as the last worker? Look, Think about this. The only, way, the only way the first workers could be angry, 
with the landover is if they thought this. We earned this, and they didn't. They didn't. That's the only way they can be angry. I'm entitled to this denarius, and those people aren't. But what's the one, what do you imagine the one-hour workers, what's their reaction? Don't you know they go home rejoicing? Don't you know they go home to the family saying, you're not going to believe this. There's this extravagantly generous landowner out there, and they, they probably had wonder and joy in their eyes as they, as they displayed the denarius for only working for 45 minutes. But the people who worked all day, you get the impression they went home to their family that day complaining, absorbed with what they had done, and thought that the, the landowner was cruel and bitter and, 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 uh, and greedy. There was, no, there was no wonder in the eyes of the all-day workers. And here's the principle I want to hold out, to, out for you. Your joy, your gratitude, your wonder and love of Christ will always be directly proportional, are you ready, for, to your apprehension of just how gracious God has been to you. Always. And so that's what I ask you. When is the last time, if you claim to be a Christian, when's the last time that you had wonder that the Lord of this universe actually had regard for you? When's the last time you were blown away by the grace of God that he actually not only made you, but he upholds you and he loves you and forgives you and he treats you as righteous? on account of of faith. And he actually wants to be with you. The one-hour workers were overjoyed. Are you? If not, it's because we see ourselves as the all-day workers, and we've missed it. The only people who don't get mad in the story are the one-hour workers. And so if we are mad, it's because we have tricked ourselves into thinking we're the all-day workers. So if I, if I ever, like, look down on people, if I ever condescend, if I ever think, well, I deserve this and those people don't, if, I'm, if, I, if I put people beneath me in my mind or in my words, I think I'm the, the all-day worker. I think I have merit. But man, if you're here this morning and you feel unworthy, if you're looking at your life and being like, I don't deserve the smile of God, yes, <laughs> you're there. You're there. Welcome to the grace of God. Because the hope of Christianity, the hope of the world is a hero that's going to put the world to rights, and he does it by sheer grace. He sets the world to rights not by something that we do, but by something he did. It's something received. It's something done by another, and his name is Jesus. See, the landowner in this parable is Jesus, and we miss this. He actually has a foreman. So normally what people would do, they would have sent their foreman out to do the work. (laughs) Foreman, you go out into the heat of the day and go kind of get these workers. But this landowner, he does it himself. He pursues people. He gets personally involved. And you start realizing that's a picture of Jesus. Jesus could have stayed in heaven. Uh, Jesus, Jesus could have looked at all of us who takes the air that he gives us and keeps our hearts beating, and we turn from him. And the energy that he gives us, we, we love other things rather than him. He could have looked at us and just said, just give them what they deserve. <laughs> give them their wages. If they, if they want to live apart from me, I'll let them have that. But he doesn't. He comes down. He comes into the heat of the day. He comes into this broken world. And he's on a mission looking for people in need of grace. 
And he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He dies on a cross, the death that we deserve to die. He lives the life we, 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 we couldn't live. And the only one who is ever worthy of the, of the Father to say, well done, good and faithful servant, dies out in the scorching heat on the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that trust in him means you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus makes himself last, putting himself so far beneath us that all of our sin covers him. And that's why Jesus starts talking about his death with his disciples and being handed over. Because handed over is always the language of judgment. He's going to take it for us. That's the gospel. We're all one-hour workers. We're all standing hopeless and helpless with nothing to offer. And God freely gives us himself. Gives us the reward that Jesus has earned. So it's only a gift. It's by sheer grace. And this is the irony, right? If you're allergic to a peanut, if you eat that peanut, it might kill you. But if you're allergic to grace, what you have to do is drink grace. It'll wound you. It'll disturb you. But it'll actually heal you and bring you new life. And the danger, I'm telling you the danger, because this is why Jesus tells it. And I'll start wrapping up here. The danger is for, is for any of us who have walked with Jesus for a long time. Because we start thinking we're the long workers. We start thinking that God owes us. What if you're a pastor? You know, and you've given your life to ministry. You start thinking, man, I, I don't deserve this. We don't. And we start losing the wonder because we forget that we're the last. That we're the last. So let me read this. I'll end with this. This is, uh, I know, I mean, it's kind of a friend of Les's, but um, one time I was reading, this, back when they had blogs, nobody does that anymore. And there was a, a couple he met in his church one time. I've actually met this couple. And um, he thought they were just kind of a normal, you know, church-raised couple newly married and he started getting in their story and, and it wasn't and so he's like man would you would you mind writing your story and she did and you know public worldwide web so if you put, if you put something on the World Wide web i assume it's for public consumption so here's what she said she said this is how she came to know the grace of god she said it was midway through my junior year of college when i found myself sitting in shock on the bathroom floor of my fiance's college apartment with a positive pregnancy test in my hand We've been engaged for about eight weeks, and based on my best guess, we were about eight weeks along, and it was that moment when I realized that everything I thought I knew had suddenly changed. I found my greatest crisis was within. I realized I no longer knew who I was. You see, up until then, I was always the good girl. Frankly, in my own mind, I was one of the best girls. What I discovered over those next few days was grace, true grace, the kind that gives you the strength to roll out of bed when you can't even stand the sight of yourself. This grace is only found when you finally see the depth of your own sin, you see, I'd been a believer nearly all my life. I'd rarely missed a Sunday service or youth retreat. I'd experienced many heartfelt moments of spiritual renewal and awakening, but I'd never felt unabashed, unending depths of Jesus' love for me. It was there all along, but I'd missed it because I'd never really seen my sin. God had to reveal my deepest, darkest, best-hidden sin to the entire world before I was able to see it myself. I realized that my greatest sin was the prideful love that I had for myself, and now I knew with confidence that all the good works that ever credited to myself were simply filthy rags. Did you hear it? She thought she was the, the all-day worker because she, she had a sense of her own righteousness to her own standard. But finally, in the place of abject failure, wonder of wonders, she saw and received what is true. That grace wounded and killed her self-righteousness. And she was forced to admit, I'm, I'm a one-hour worker. And this is amazing. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? It's an invitation, yes, to see the sovereignty of God, to see his goodness, 
but to see all of our ridiculous need of grace. And you'll find his grace abounds more than your need. He, our God is a God who is looking for an excuse, an excuse to show mercy. That's who he is. I'm inviting you to wonder again at his amazing grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, sending Jesus. Um, if we are allergic to grace deep down inside, it means that only you can fix it by your spirit. Uh, so would you come in and would you uh, give us a long, to see ourselves as the last worker, uh, to enable us to rejoice and receive the beauty of Jesus. In your son's name I pray, amen.